Welcome to Late Night Faith Live at Chapel Roswell. Give it up for Dan, Dan the Man, and his big band. Yes, we're having some fun with our faith for a few weeks as we look for holiness in the humor of three of America's favorite late night shows. But before we go any further with that, we're going to acknowledge, take a minute, and acknowledge that we've experienced another tragic shooting in a school in our country, and it's too much. And we're going to pray. Now, personally, I've gone to some words of wisdom that I've heard from a couple of pastors I respect. Erwin uh, McManus preached about prayer one time, and he said um, that we don't pray for prayer's sake or to be heard by God, but really we pray to be connected with and to be formed by the heart of God. And I read an article recently that quoted Miroslav Wolf, and he said, it's deeply hypocritical to pray for a problem that you're unwilling to resolve. And so we know that prayer leads to action. And so I'm just asking, can we take a minute and pray together? God, our hearts are broken over the senseless violence and death in Santa Fe this past week. Parkland, and Charleston, and Orlando, and Sandy Hook, and Columbine. It's too much. But we know this is not your heart or your will. God, we ask for your care and your blessing for our brothers and sisters who are grieving. For everyone involved. That somehow they would know the touch of your love and your grace. And we also hear you, God, that this is not what you want for us. This is not our best. And where and when we have a role to play so that violence would end and there'd be no more death, no more murder. God, may we have the wisdom and the courage to step up and know our amen as a call to action. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so I know there may be some folks in here who are thinking late night television isn't necessarily the most appropriate or biblical or holy topic for a church and for worship. And uh, okay, I hear you, but first of all, let me say I, I know how hard it is to keep your attention. In fact, you've probably, you're probably going to tune me out by the time I finish this sentence that I'm saying right now. And second, it is important to see where God is at work and the holiness that's around us in all ways, shapes, and forms. It doesn't just have to be inside a church building or in a Bible study or in a Christian bookstore. But in fact, we get tastes and glimpses of holy moments all over, everywhere, all the time. And it would do us some good to stay keenly aware of that and be open and perceptive and receptive to where God is at work, even if it means in late-night television. So take, for instance, The Tonight Show, right? The, the iconic late-night TV show hosted by the likes of Johnny Carson and Jay Leno. And in 2014, Jimmy Fallon became the host of that show. And, and he brought to it his 
sort of trademark silliness and his sense of fun and a joyfulness that's infectious. Take, for instance, uh, on his show a while back, he was doing an interview with a guest, uh, Bradley Cooper, and they were doing them, of course, in silly hats. And um, they were actually talking about something very serious. Bradley Cooper had just starred in a Broadway play, a, a serious production, um, but they struggled to even get through that interview. Watch this clip. One of the things I thought about when I saw that was, he gets paid to do that? But, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's a part of their style. It's their approach to their show. Uh, they, they said that uh, in, in figuring out how they wanted to do The Tonight Show, and, and particularly with Jimmy Fallon and, and who he is, uh, that they, they wanted it to be fun. Uh, they, they wanted to, in, people to enjoy having watched it. And, uh, and so specifically, they stay away from controversial things. They stay away from being mean. They, they don't really ever deal with partisan politics. And, and all that is on purpose so that they can enjoy it and the people who watch it can enjoy it. I read an, uh, an interview with Jimmy Fallon where he said what they want most from their show is for people to go to bed with a smile on their face. And so they found a successful formula for having joyfulness even when there may be all kinds of hurt and hate around us. And that's not to say that they just pretend like the pain doesn't exist, but no, rather they, they're intentional about injecting joyfulness. And they do it in a way in the midst of or sometimes in spite of that hurt and that pain and that hate. And that's holy work. Kind of like the work that was done by a couple of the Old Testament characters, Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra, the priest, Nehemiah, the governor. They lived in Israel about four to 500 years before Jesus was born. And at the time that they were there in Israel, Israel had been living in captivity, um, first to the Babylonians, and then the Babylonians were defeated by the Persians. And so the Persians ruled over that whole area of the world, including the people of Israel. But what, one thing that had happened is all the Israelites, when they had been uh, defeated, they were dispersed out amongst the empire, amongst the kingdom. And so they really weren't living together as a people anymore. But God called Ezra to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple, their holy temple, which was the place where God lived among them. It was their sign, their evidence that God is with us. And then God called Nehemiah to go back and rebuild the wall around the city of Jerusalem that sort of fortified the city and, and gave them a sense that this is our place and we belong here and this, this is who we are together. And so then the people, the Israelites, all started coming back to Jerusalem to make it their home again. And so in the book of Nehemiah, we read about how the wall was rebuilt, all the challenges that came along with that. Nehemiah trying to organize all these people to do what seemed like an impossible and insurmountable task after having been spread out all over the Babylonian empire and feeling like less than their whole lives. 
Now all of a sudden there's this inkling that God's doing something. And so then we read about not only the challenges of getting them to do it, but all the people around them, the neighboring nations and people groups that were hating on them and discouraging them and doubting them and, and all that Nehemiah went through to get the people of Israel together and get this wall built. And then after they get the wall built and all the people have come back in to the city, then Ezra comes out with the scroll of instruction, which was their scriptures. It was their Torah. And one day he opens it up and starts to read from it. And he reads to the people God's word, all the stuff, the sacred things that God had said to them about who they are and who God is and what it means to live a right and good and a holy life with God and with each other. And it says he read from morning to the middle of the day to all of the people from the word of God. And then after he had gotten done reading, the people who were within earshot started to mourn, weep, cry. They were sad. And so what we're going to read now is the response by Ezra and Nehemiah to the people of Israel after their reaction to having heard God's word read again among them for the first time in a long, long time. So this is Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. Here it is on the screen. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. Go, eat rich food, and drink something sweet, he said to them. And send portions of this to any who have nothing ready. This day is holy to our Lord. Don't be sad, because the joy from the Lord is your strength. See, after having read from the scriptures for the first time in a long time to God's people who had come together in this place and found their identity again, and after hearing them weeping and crying and mourning and grieving, Ezra and Nehemiah say to them, wait a minute, this is not sad. Celebrate. Go get something good to eat. Probably unhealthy. But good, you know those things. And something sweet to drink. This is a cause for a party. And if there's anybody around you that doesn't have anything like that, share it with them. Invite them into the feast. Throw a party for everybody. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. But you can understand why they were sad and they were grieving and they were mourning. I mean, maybe on the one hand, it's because they had not had that sense of identity for so long of who they were as a child of God. And they'd been out in the wilderness and amongst other people and in other nations with other philosophies and beliefs. And, and they'd felt beaten down and, and that their faith wasn't valued and their identity as a child of God wasn't valued. And that was hard to spend a life that way or a season of life that way where you just feel like who you are as a child of God just really doesn't matter. And you're carrying that around. Or all the work that they had to do to rebuild the temple and the wall. All the work that they had to do to come out of where they had been and start to get in a place where they should be and where God wanted them to be. It was painful. It took a lot out of them, I'm sure to move from that identity that they had to the one that God intended for them to carry forward. It probably was very taxing on them all the way around. 
And so maybe they're thinking about where they had been and the identity that they had carried for so long and how painful that was. And and so that's what made them cry, made them sad. Maybe they were thinking about all the hard work that they had to go through just to get back to where they were supposed to be to start with. And, And maybe that made them sad and made them cry. There's also the possibility that when they heard God's word read for the first time in a long time, that it was overwhelming to them. Just that sense of, wow. And maybe even the sense of, if this is what God has designed and intended for us, that sounds amazing, but I'm so far from it. I'm so far over here. I don't know that I could ever be that. And so in light of their own brokenness and shortcomings and sin in the presence of the Almighty God and the Word of God, maybe that broke their hearts and they were crying and mourning and weeping. And in response to all that, Ezra and Nehemiah say, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, that's not what this is about. This is not about the identity that you had to carry for so long that was put on you by somebody else and that has beaten you down and caused you to feel less than and unworthy. This is not even about all the hard work that it's going to take and maybe unfairly so for you to try to deal with all that and move from where you were to where God wants you to be. And it's also not about whether or not you're worthy or good enough to be the fullness of who God created you to be and be a part of God's kingdom. That's not what this is about. Ezra and Nehemiah said this is about the joy of the Lord. This is the joy of God who is in the business of rebuilding and restoring and redeeming, and that's what God has done right now in you and among you. So celebrate, enjoy it. Let the joy of the Lord, the gift of joy from God Almighty fill you up to overflowing. Rejoice. And so that's one of the reasons we do that when we get together in here is we sing and we rejoice and we celebrate. In fact, we're going to do it right now. So I'm going to throw it back to Dan, Dan the man, and his big band, and they're going to lead us in worship. Why don't you all stand? So our guest this morning is someone you may or may not know. Uh, He serves as the community curator here at Chapel Roswell and uh, has come to be a friend of mine. But one of his primary roles in leading the team that he curates for the sake of our community is to make things hospitable and welcome and warm feeling for anybody who shows up here on a Sunday morning or any other time. And uh, I believe that that comes because of the joy that he has inside of him. And so I asked him if he would come spend a few minutes with us today and share a little bit about that joy. So will you help me welcome our community curator, Jay Horton. So, Jay, I said just a second ago that uh, one of the reasons you're so good at what you do in creating a welcoming and hospitable environment here is because of the joy that's inside you. And it's hard to miss, and it's infectious. And so it leaves me wondering, why? Like, <laughs> like where does that come from? Um, I first like to say I feel like it's easier to be happy rather than sad. And I know... Happiness is not the same thing as joyfulness. Um, I feel like joy is a deeper emotion, maybe, um, than happiness. But I think it stems ultimately from my childhood. Um, I grew up in a more traditional church, um, but in in some aspects. Um, they had a choir, and 
um, more traditional liturgy and stuff like that, but they would always find a way to incorporate children and youth into almost every service. I was either ringing handbells in, or chimes in my tidied handbell gloves, or I was playing boom whackers in worship, which are these long sticks that you like hit and they make noise. Um, they're really great, really fun. Um, or I was like, when the chancel choir was singing, I would stand up when no one else was standing up and I'd direct them from my pew. Um, <laughs> And no one, ever, no one ever shunned me for that. No one ever told me, stop doing that. That's not appropriate now. And it was this culture of it's okay to be, it's okay to do what you want to do in worship. And so I think I, my first understandings of God and the spirit came through that upbringing and associating God with music and with joy um, and that. And so then when Later on in life, I learned that when the first wave of trials hit kind of middle school, if any of y'all have gone through that, it's hell. Um, pardon the French. Um, but um, we're, on a, we're on a tape delay. We can bleep, we'll bleep God, that. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but I, I was really bullied. I, was, I, I mean, physically, I was like pushed down on playgrounds and like punched and stuff like that. And I got my locker tagged several times with like some awful slurs and stuff. And it was hard. Um, and like my, it was so hard, like I would come home from school and I'd be like yelling and so screaming. My mom would even took me to a psychologist to try to figure out what was so wrong. But ultimately the psychologist didn't do a whole lot, not saying psychologists don't, they do great work. Um, this one didn't particularly help me very much, but what did help me was the church. And I found ways to be there every single day of the week. My mother was probably sick of driving that minivan to church, um, but I would like Tuesday night Bible study, Wednesday night youth group, Thursday night handbell and choir, um, Sunday morning stuff in youth group at night, and I learned to associate that with where the joy came from, and, I, and I, so I had created that foundation of joy and early on, and then I then started to pull on that when I needed it most um, and to keep my spirits lifted, and I think I still do that through the rest of my life. I learned that, and I learned that's where I recharge my battery, and so then I can keep moving forward. So how does that sense of joy then that was put in you early on, and uh, that you've learned how to nurture and reconnect with and stay connected with, so how does that translate into creating a hospitable or welcoming environment? I think it, it goes back to the creating a culture of joy. Um, a joy breeds more joy, if so to speak, I feel like, and that when you're in an environment of joy, you'll stockpile that for later. Um, and that comes in, in various ways. Um, and one of them, I think, is smiles. Um, just in general, it's a, it's a simple thing. Um, there's some scientific research on like your brain, when you smile, you naturally become a little more um, optimistic, a little more happy. Um, and so, though happiness doesn't correlate to that deep, richer joy, um, it helps in stockpiling that joy for later when you need it most. Um, and I think one of my favorite quotes, too, I'll say that is a quote from St. Mother Teresa, and she said, peace begins with a smile. Um, I learned that quote in high school, and it was actually my senior quote on my yearbook, like underneath your picture. Um, and I, I've translated that into a lot of things that I do. Um, when, when you're willing to be yourself and you're willing to smile, um, you, 
you can create that culture of joy. And I think that's the second thing about it, um, is that you can't be afraid to, to, to be yourself, and you can't put up fronts or barriers, whatever those may be. Um, people like you better at the doors when you greet, when, you, when you're just yourself. You're not that overly bubbly person. If you're an introvert, just smile and say hi. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or in the pew next to you. Like, um, don't, don't overly do it. It's, it's, it's something that's natural and comes from a culture of being loved and accepted. You bring up a good point. I think about fear, that we have a tendency, or sometimes anyway, to move through this life afraid of what somebody else is going to think or say or what God will think or mm -hmm. say or of messing up or doing it wrong. And that can lock us down and lock us in and rob us of the joy of being who God created us to be, whoever that is. And so one of the things I love about you is that you are who you are and, and it shines through and the smile that you always have on your face. But, uh, but I pick up a real sense of that. Um, you're more connected with your joy than with fear. And, and I was thinking this week that... Um, Yes, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, you know, but, but I, that's the awe and reverence more mm. so than scared of punishment. Um, yeah. And the Bible also says it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And I, and I see that in you, Jay, and I appreciate the way you, you lead your team uh, with joy, and I think it's infectious. So we're, we're glad to have you here as a part Thank of the you. team. Now, um, yeah, amen. And for what it's worth, you maintain that joy working with me. So that's, yeah. Um, Bigger task. Yeah. That was not, not an invitation for applause. I don't know who that was <laughs> over there. Um, but I did want to give you the chance, Jay, uh, before, before we're done uh, this morning, is there any, I want to give you the last word. Is there anything that you'd like to say? Well, I've actually always wanted to take your chair and do your job. Can I? Can I? You want to? Yeah. Oh. Can we switch places? Okay. All right. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Go right ahead. Fantastic. This will be fun. So much power <laughs> in one desk. <laughs> you think that at first. <laughs> you know what my, one of my other favorite Jimmy Fallon things that he does on his show is the thank you notes? Hmm. Do you think I could like write my thank you notes while I'm here? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Do you have some? I think so, down in this drawer. Okay. Oh, but we need the music that he has. Dan, Ooh, there you go. Thank you, confusing parking at this church, for making me arrive right beside the chapel, but actually making me park so far I need a shuttle. Thank you, Lucia's Italian restaurant, for the delicious pasta you will provide for our next connection lunches. Dates are listed on the website. Learning about church has never tasted so great. Thank you, Must Ministries, for consistently providing lunches for in the summer for hungry kids in our community and for helping us help you help them 
by providing an easy sign-up page at rumc.com backslash serve. I didn't see anyone jotting that down. Thank you, Nalgene, for making high-quality water bottles for us to give out after worship at the Connection Desk to all first-time visitors. It's right through those doors. Just a couple more, don't you think? Thank you, Alive in Roswell, for giving every adult in town an excuse to act like a college freshman once again. The next one's in June. Come out and visit us. Last one, here we go. Thank you, United Methodist Church, for sending our beloved pastors to new places. But at least you have the decency of bringing us some new ones on June 24th. That's all. Thank you, Jay, for those moments of inspiration. And I'll say that he is always adding to his team to welcome people here on Sunday morning. So if you'd be interested in helping out in that way and spreading some of the joy and the love that we have here, please find Jay, get in touch with him, and he'll help you find your place. And I also want to say that in light of the scriptures that we read today from Nehemiah, it's true for all of us that no matter where we've been, what kind of identity we've had or that's been put on us, what we've done or dealt with, or what kind of hard work we're still doing or dealing with. That God loves us, every one of us, and offers us, invites us into a relationship of love through Jesus. And Jesus' very life, his, his living, his teaching, his death and his resurrection is an example to us that God is still in the business of rebuilding and restoring and redeeming our lives and the whole world. And that's an invitation of love, an invitation to know joy that God's given to each and every one of us, no matter who we are or where we are. That's you and me. And everybody, everywhere. You know, today is the Sunday in the church calendar that's called Pentecost. It's the day that we commemorate the arrival of the Holy Spirit into the lives of Jesus' first disciples. After he had been raised from the dead and ascended to heaven, he told them, I'll send you my spirit, my Holy Spirit. And the day of Pentecost is the day that the Spirit came to them like tongues of fire on their heads. So as they started talking in languages nobody could understand, telling the amazing things that God had done in Jesus for them and for the world, it started a, an unstoppable movement that has been happening down through history, down through the ages, and continues even today. God's Holy Spirit poured out into the lives of everybody 
who calls Jesus Lord and who follows him. It's the supernatural existence, the presence of God in our lives that connects us with something bigger and deeper than who we are or sometimes what we can even fathom and fills us up to overflowing with the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And one of the challenges, yes, is that we do get focused sometimes on where we've been or what we're dealing with or the enormity of our brokenness and shortcomings. And it brings up feelings like shame and guilt, embarrassment, fear. But the words of Ezra and Nehemiah, the word of God, the word of Jesus Christ to each and every one of us in moments like this is, wait, wait, no. That's not where your focus lies. That's not where your attention belongs. Look, instead of looking at where I've messed up or where I've been or my challenges or what's going on or where I've fallen short, they said look instead to the Lord. Look to God. Look to the joy that God has given you. The work that God has done to restore and redeem your life. Is there anybody in here who would say that God has done something good in your life? Anybody? Anybody? And there come times where we forget it or it becomes a distant memory or we can't even feel it or remember it. That's what makes this community of faith so powerful is because then we're there for each other in those moments. And the joy that's infectious can lift us up. And so we share this life of faith together. God's word for the Israelites and for us today is celebrate. Know the joy of the Lord. Let that be your strength for today. And even if you've got nothing else that you can celebrate today, if, that, if that's just where you are and I acknowledge that and we find ourselves in places like that in seasons in life, I'm going to give you something to celebrate by the time you leave because we're going to celebrate baptisms this morning. We get to celebrate with Brady and Lexi and Thatcher as they're baptized in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as they receive God's grace for themselves through this sacrament, this holy act. So I want to ask Brady and his daughter, Lexi, her mom, Evelyn, and David and Kristen Watford, and their children, if they would join me up here. We put this card in the pew, by the way, that just explains a little bit about baptism, what it means, why we do it. If you've never been baptized or your kids have never been baptized, uh, and you're curious, this hopefully can help answer questions for you. If you'd like to know about baptism for yourself, uh, you heard from Jay. He's a great person for you to talk to or whoever would be at the connection desk right out these doors. Just let them know that you're interested and we'll follow up with you because we'd love to celebrate baptism with you. And I said baptism is a sacrament. It's a sacred act. It's something that we do and we participate in. And when we do it, God promises to meet us here and that we experience the love of God in Jesus through baptism. It's a way that God claims us as God's children, marks us as disciples of Jesus, and includes us, incorporates us into this community of faith that we call the church. And so today we're going to celebrate baptism. And we remember Jesus' baptism. Because when Jesus was baptized, it says that the dove descended from heaven representing that Holy Spirit of God. And they heard the voice of God saying, this is my child who I love and in whom I am well pleased. And so that's what's happening today 
as we share in baptism again together. So, Brady, I have a couple of questions for you. First of all, do you reject evil and sin in all their forms? If so, say yes. And do you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ to follow him? If so, say yes. yes. And will you do your part to be a faithful member of God's church here at Roswell United Methodist in Chapel Roswell? Support it with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. If so, say yes. yes. Thank you. And now for you guys and you, on behalf of your children, I'm asking you, will you nurture your child in the faith and in this community of faith, the church, so that one day... They will claim the faith for themselves and decide that they want to follow Jesus. If so, say yes. yes. Amen. And I'm going to put the same question to all of you in the room. As their family of faith, brothers and sisters on this journey, will you support these families and these ones who are being baptized along with each other as we go on this journey together? If so, say yes. yes. Amen. Now I want to ask you if we can pray, and we're going to pray God's blessing over the waters of baptism. Oh God, you've shown us salvation through water time and time again. From when your spirit moved on the waters of creation, delivering your people through the flood and through the Red Sea, and then you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb, baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. And he called his disciples to share in his baptism. So God, pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this water and these who receive it, to wash away their sin, clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives, that dying and being raised with Christ, they will share in his final victory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Brady, I invite you to step in the uh, Chapel Roswell baptismal barrel. Brady Nance, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What name have you given your child? Alexis Ryan. Alexis Ryan. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. You ready, buddy? Yeah. What name have you given your child? Thatcher Dong Sun. I baptize you in the name of God the Father, His Son Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the gift of baptism, that in it we experience your grace, your love, that you fill us with your joy in the presence of your spirit. 
Thank you for Brady, Lexi, and Thatcher, for their families, their friends. God, we thank you that you are at work here now among us all, and we ask your blessing for all of us, that we would follow after Jesus with everything that we have, always mindful that you have filled us with your joy and that that can be our strength. So, God, we ask your blessing again for those who have been baptized, that they would know the strength of your love and joy for them today. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Help me celebrate with them one more time. So there's, uh, there's one more thing we're going to do this morning as an expression of joy to make sure that we go out of here on a high note. Uh, there's, a, um, there's a segment that they do on the Tonight Show where the house band, the Roots, uh, they, with Jimmy Fallon and maybe sometimes a musical guest, they get together and they play a song. But they do it in a unique way, right? Have you seen this? Because they do it with the little toy instruments. And so they'll play whatever song they're going to play with toy instruments. This is a way to have fun. So there should be baskets going around right now full of these little toy instruments. I got mine already. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have our own little music performance like they do on The Tonight Show. Just have some fun together, and we're going to play a song. And while we're doing that, by the way, I want to also just let you know a couple of other things that we do every Sunday in here. One is we give back to God. So if you've brought your tithe or offering, here's the ways you can do it. And the other is if, if we can pray with you, we have folks available by the stained glass back here to pray with you. This is amazing. <laughs> so back to Dan and the band, and we're going to make some noise. <laughs> 